0: welcome to the self-starter show i'm your host steve clare and on this show you're going to be hearing from entrepreneurs you're going to hear about their wins that got them where they are their losses and everything in between as well as the advice that they have that helped them along the way along with bonus solo episodes of my personal secrets of life success and empathy sprinkled in for you the listener like chapters of a great book each episode will provide you with a bit of a cheat code to success and happiness. Gentlemen, welcome another exciting episode of the Self Starter Podcast. Today, we are thrilled to have a very special guest, Reese Posgay. Reese is a multifaceted individual, a renowned writer, artist, and social media influencer. He has garnered a massive following through his captivating content on various online platforms, inspiring people around the world with his creativity, positivity, and unique perspectives in this episode we're about to delve deep into reese's journey exploring his creative process discussing his latest projects and gaining insights and his point of views on life art and everything in between so buckle up and get ready for insight and inspiring conversation with reese pose let's get started
1: wow what an intro
0: can i tell you something
1: <laughs> chat GBT wrote chat ChatGPT wrote that i knew it can you I tell had a hunch that's hilarious can you tell i
0: i literally typed in give me a uh, typed in a podcast intro for reese pose
1: interesting i like that it and poses that, as an influencer play that's that, good like had it like look at that
0: what is it it all said writer my influence is further than i
1: thought there's so, some writing <laughs> there's some writing i guess like, like where happens. did
0: chat GBT grab that
1: G- grab some of that from Google? Like, well, how does that work? Uh, probably a combo. Probably definitely some Google. A combination of things. I mean, I always laugh. I mean, you ever do that yourself? Will you go and Google yourself and see what comes up? Uh, yeah, but there's a few Steve Claires in this world. Yeah, I guess
0: Reese yeah. Posegay is pretty rare. <laughs> Reese Posegay. I mean, I, I guess Stephen Clare I would think is rare, but Reese Posegay is much more rare. Um, the two main Steve Claires, Stephen Clare and Stephen Clare, are both uh, musicians. One is a like a, I guess, kind of like a classic rock older guy, and the other guy is Stephen Clare. He's a, a hip hop. He's a rapper from St. Louis. Interesting. Where's then, your Where's your musical talent? Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think if I have any music. I I, I sing. I, uh, you know, my son, you know, Seymour, when he when he I'm having trouble putting him in the bed I'll sing to him um, interesting fun Vo- fact voice of an angel well it's you know there's certain no there's certain tunes that uh you know kind of uh, are, are soothing to kind of put him to bed one go to song castle on a cloud lay me and another one Boys to men i'll make love to you uh on bended knee boys to men i don't know why like the first time i tried to put him to bed and i need to sing like all i could think of was boys to men songs interesting well that's what you listen to in bed you know back in the day that's yeah sweet sweet that, baby that making was a, music. Boys that's to why man, boys to men too i'll put that <laughs> album probably in my top 20 of all time i'm
1: sure yeah
0: but uh enough about me
1: <laughs> that yeah. lovely so music
0: that was the chat gpt explanation i love give that. me interesting your explanation who you are and what are you doing right now?
1: I mean, I think I think I mean I, I like theirs better maybe I don't know. A bit of a marketing <laughs> creative and digital innovator hybrid, um, kind of came up through the ranks of social media and digital as they were all coming to kind of the world and got lucky on that timeline. Um, so built all of that out for some brands, you know, at a time when really most brands were going from brand to D to C and e-commerce as well, even if they weren't doing D to C. So you know, my specialty kind of came around that 360 marketing and bringing it all together just by happenstance. Because my third piece of my role then at Marc Jacobs was our third collection, <laughs> which brought me kind of hurtling retail and digital in a time when brands and businesses weren't really doing that well. Um, so that omni-channel kind of like omni-channel you know, community-centric. The idea of being everywhere, you know, like I still think most brands are failing at it. Like it's hard. People don't really staff for what they're for the current digital environment well so you get a lot of silos between like digital and e-com versus retail versus pr and well press i feel like nowadays it gets and it gets tougher
0: and tougher as the years go on um uh, for a brand to you know being told you to stay relevant you need to do everything and you need to have a specialist on every platform and you know so the, the interview that we had Last year that sure. got lost The files got uh, <laughs> lost in the ether Lost the in the ether um, You know you talked about just that And like you talked about You know which uh, Which platform will Rise to the top which, which, which platform which social cream Will rise to the top And is there going to be one that rises to the top Or do
1: you have to stay relevant From every angle Yeah I mean it's hard to say I mean I think the one thing that's for sure is that like running social these days is awful. There's like some amazing meme accounts, but it's like, you know, no matter what, there's going to be a new channel. You're not going to have someone sitting in the seat and you're going to want to activate on it. And executives or leadership is going what to do push people all to do that. Well, I mean, when TikTok happened, it's not like people had a TikTok or a short form video person lined up ready to go, but they still had to do it, right? And I think that happens with all brands. Like to your point, you can't hire a person for every channel anymore. It's gotten to be too many. People have to get multifaceted. I think what I was talking about last time is, it's, you know, the trick now is figuring out how to give a different representation that's authentic to different audiences without just having a trickle down approach, right? Like, I think a lot of brands think campaign and they think we need to get these images to tell the story and then we'll post the same thing across all channels at the same time. But like, why follow a brand's Facebook if it's the same thing as their Instagram? Why follow the Twitter if it's the same thing? And also, the people who are on those platforms are operating differently, right? Like I'm on everything, but I'm not really on Twitter that much these days. But when I am, I'm looking for like humor or learning or quick news or of the moment things. It's a different activity than when I'm looking at Instagram for inspiration or to like, you know, pin something that I wanna come back to or to just see like what's happening in a friend's life. It's like a different interaction and the same goes for TikTok, right? I mean, this is really authentic not polished video. It's a little more polished on Instagram. It's less polished on TikTok. So how do you basically do it and tweak everything a little bit to tell the same narrative, but without having to do, you know, a different shoot for everything. And that's the same thing I'm talking about where it gets splintered, right? Like how do you keep that consistent narrative? Um, And that's what I try to do. I mean, I really try to look at that 360 experience, Uh, but to your point, it's getting really hard because there's so many things you can't be everywhere. You have to be smart about the campaign and how you target it by channel by audience, do you even want you know this giveaway going on Facebook? If that's your older audience, who's more looking for the generic like shopping, price, education, entertainment rather than really getting into it and interacting. So, and I'm thinking
0: you gotta think as, about it, yeah. as you're saying this, I'm like literally thinking about it. Like I go to TikTok just for entertainment, just for flip for like you know some comic relief. I go to Instagram, you know. Now I'm thinking about it. I Instagram is mainly for communication. I go and I see my messages, different threads with friends, whoever, where we're sending videos or uh, information back and forth and just chat, just flat out chatting. Sure. And then Twitter is more, I guess, more news-based. A lot of opinion, exactly. A lot of opinions or like if I want to try and get a question over to somebody, like there was um i remember when i went to when i was in london last year and um the uh the guy who created the shoom uh you know everyone knows if you've been to if you've been to london you know best indian food in all the (laughs) land and i wanted to send this guy a message and the only way i could think to get a message across soon was let's
1: DM him, DM
0: him, yeah, or just tweet and add him. And yeah. sure enough, the guy got back to me in a day. Now I wasn't gonna if I DM'd him on Instagram, probably would never have seen it. It probably would have went into like a, a side folder.
1: Maybe you don't know. I mean, like, listen again, it just depends on behaviors. And I think that's like where people really got attacked down. Like I, I would very likely catch a DM in my Instagram quicker than I would catch an email because I'm getting blasted with emails, right? But I'm getting like notifications from certain things. I see it anytime you check Instagram. You, you got have the Instagram nice notifications badge. up? No, <laughs> I do not. But I do check it obviously regularly. Like I'm, I'm in the habit of that. And when I check it, you get the kind of notification within the app. You know what I mean? You could see I've got one or twenty missed messages or mm-hmm. any of those things. And now the algorithm also like has ways of kind of giving you like what's primary, what's general audience. You know, so you know what matters there. But but it's a lot. I mean, like that's it's the crazy. Whole thing. It's like how it's somewhat advanced it is now, and it's only just ever changing. Like it's never gonna be con- It's never gonna be constant. Yeah, and that's why you just gotta pick your battles. I mean, the reality is, like, I think that the the new, the new norm for marketing that people are struggling to catch on to, and those who are really thriving, is essentially like adaptability and being nimble. And I think that's really hard because like we're breaking down the old creative norms even to a degree because it used to be like really about getting this like polished, perfect look and we feel like it's the brand DNA and all of this. And that's somewhat out the window, still super important if you're doing a TV ad or whatever, you know, you wanna be making sure that it's all buttoned up or print ad. But the reality is the majority of what we're ingesting now as consumers is through digital and nothing stinks more than like an inauthentic influencer or celebrity post it's like i use this toothpaste and uh, brought to you by, you know. <laughs> so touching on that, what are
0: your thoughts on de-influencers? I mean, <laughs> i just learned about this recently. i didn't know that the de-influencer was a thing. When i hear de-influencer, it sounds kind of like a like a like a like a yelp Karen. Like uh, like a de-influencer same way i know a lot of quote-unquote micro-influencers looking for brands to post about to have them repost de the influencers trying to just pick apart a product. Like it, it just seems so negative, like, yeah,
1: cause it is a negative thing, but I don't think that that's, I think you're looking at it wrong because I think the influencers have been a long time coming. It's got like a nice little pretty name to it now, but this has kind of been my thing for the past 10 years. I wish I'd started a company on it and the influencing, it. but well, the idea that like the idea of influence is getting smaller and smaller and smaller. I think that that's what's happening. Like one At one point we really wanted celebrities and we're like, yeah, like that's what's gonna sell the product. Then all of a sudden advertising wasn't doing as much. You also had like Facebook and Instagram and Twitter coming to the market with advertising pieces. So all of a sudden it became these influencers, right? And at the beginning it was like people who were in the know, people thinking usually a bunch of wealthy kids who <laughs> were like getting to go to fashion shows or whatever. But even that got like so bullshit because it's like who is wearing the shirt, the pants, the shoes, the bag, that walked the runway no one's actually going and spending 15k on like a full kitted look i mean mm-hmm. sure some people are but like for the most part you're getting one item right and that's when it started getting interesting because you got people you know that like first wave of real influencers where it changed and people were coming in you know maybe they do have the jacket on from prada or whatever it may be but they're wearing like a ripped shirt that they've had for years it's like an old jordan shirt and then they've got their favorite pair of jeans and this high low came in and got real right and i think the whole thing goes down to authenticity and like you've seen it get smaller and smaller and smaller you see brands seeing the value instead of getting like the one mega influencer who everyone's getting and using the same person because they're of the moment instead they're getting the hundred of these people with really small influence you know on the kind of global following schedule but at the same time like really impactful influence because they're targeting actual like niche groups it's like the fitness person with ten thousand followers that are all there for fitness. They wanna see it, right? It's not like I'm gonna do everything for everyone. That was kind of the last phase. And my point is now, I think like what we're getting to is peer to peer marketing. Like my most likely to buy situation You're saying is like, getting to? I, that's where I feel like that's where we are. I think that's where we are. Yeah. But kind of going back to the de-influencing, I think like essentially that's where we are. There's still layers of the other stuff and I don't think it's ever going away. I actually think the pendulum may swing back to celebrity because now we all know that it's marketing. We know that the influencer posting the toilet brush is doing so to get paid right <laughs> and like we're not like idiots like we can now see like this is paid this is not i think that's where like we're also you smarter as consumers toothbrush. you love to get the toothbrush now uh, you know i'm not going to say when reference <laughs> but there's like a lot of people that are like yeah because it's just hilarious it's like this is you know the toilet paper i use and it's like come on bro like this is what you want to talk about like, yeah. this is you but to de-influencing i think the whole thing is just like a real retreat to authenticity i think that like influencers and people trying to make a career of that Mm -hmm. are seeing the backlash once they become just a bullshit machine of people not believing them or not thinking it's authentic or real because they're getting paid to play. So I think that there's a smart end to it because on the one end, sure, you can be bashing something as a product, but I don't think that that's like really what it is. I think it's just being honest in general. It's like, here's five things, five toothpaste, let's say, Mm -hmm. as we like to go into that. And like, here's my actual opinion on it. This one tastes good, this one smells bad, this one's shit, this one's good. So D-influencers, the do they they bookend it? Not necessarily, but some do. I think okay. the idea I, is like just pure honesty. That feels most authentic.
0: Yeah. It's kind of like, hey, listen, I really don't like those shoes, but these ones
1: would look good on you. Yeah, and some do. And I think that that's like, you know, it kind of just goes into how you look at it. Like, even as we talk through this, it's like, you said D-influencers about talking shit about brands. I think of it as like being authentic to the thing you're talking about and trying to actually rate the ones you want well and not rate the ones you don't poorly um and i think that like to your point though it's just hyper authenticity i think that's where it's going and like again we as the consumers who may not be influencing have become like the bullshit detectors best on the world of everything like we know something's not really sustainable um all of that stuff comes into play there's a big negative side of that because I also think like I, I am so sick of and hate our cancel culture and that's the other end is that there are certain ends of that where people are just mm-hmm. poking holes without any sort of solution or like hope to better or give more information. It's just waiting for someone to fuck up so that you can come and blast them. I
0: like I can't think of any de-influencing posts, but do most of them give commentary? Like, uh, you know I didn't like this phone charger leave it at that or i didn't like this phone charger it was a bit bulky the corners didn't actually protect my phone when it fell
1: like is there is there context behind what they're bashing usually i mean again it's fairly new to me too i think i'm I've probably read the same article you did recently about it going into it it's been there but it's been like retitled um <laughs> but listen i think that like. They- It's like anything. It's how you react to it and respond to it. I think some brands are already gonna do really cool things like actually leaning into influencers, like try to bring us down so that we can then respond to that. And that's like the authenticity that I think consumers are dying for from brands. You know, you've already seen it with a lot of people and their transparency. And it's like, hey, we're not fully clean, but we're 90% and this is why, because the 10% actually works. Like this brand Drunk Elephant actually did an amazing job with that where they basically were a skincare brand and they were like, we're not going to try to be the clean brand. Like, we are clean. But to a point, because in the end, you want better skin. Like, that's the goal. Your goal is not to buy something that's made of, like, kiwi and guava seeds and be able to say that. You want a skin care routine. Mm-hmm. And that still requires psilocyc acid or whatever it may be, right? So, but it's about being honest about it. And I think that's it's really about, like, transparency from the company end. And when you think about the de-influencers and whatnot, like, that's a great opportunity. Like Glossier was amazing with this, where they used to like mm-hmm. utilize their community to actually even create products, do anything. Um, you've seen it a lot leading up to this, like de-influencers is the idea of like the social footprint. But if you think about like ratings and reviews and whatnot, that's some of like knock it out of the park for a lot of brands because they get a terrible review that they get to respond to and say, well, this is what happened, here's how this is. We'd actually like to take that into account and improve our product. Mm-hmm they make more money off of that. Do you think that, uh, speaking on reviews, if a brand has,
0: let's call it a hundred reviews and they're one through five star, a hundred reviews, you got 95 five stars and five four stars, no one, two or three. Does that make the brand look fake? Like, does that make it look like, all right, maybe I don't believe this brand because um, it's impossible for nobody
1: to have an issue with this product? No. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's hard. It depends on how you look at it. And it depends on the numbers, right? Like a hundred versus five is very different. Ten thousand versus right. two is very different. <laughs> and any brand, like, at the level to be able to pay for it is, right? You're doing seating packages, you're sending it out, like you're trying to give a good experience going in to drive those mm-hmm. reviews higher. You're trying to give people a reason to give a five star review. Exactly. And it's like anything. But the reality is like that's all a, a game to play. Like I I've learned that in fairly recent years. Um, if your numbers low, get more reviews, right? It's pretty easy. If you're if you've got a two star review, but it's because you only have ten reviews, and half of them are threes, then find a way to get another hundred reviews, that <laughs> and then all of a sudden that goes up to three or four, right? So, I think it's hard to kind of decide how much. Faith you want to put in those, except for to actually read them, right? And like actually see what's happening. Love that. All right, so let's uh let's dive more into you.
0: All right, <laughs> we're to talk about it right. Yeah, I mean, listen, the show is yeah, over well, here. The sh- I guess that's what we're here. The for, show right? is self starters. Um, you, you're creative, and you have always been a self starter. I mean, um, you know, starting back at Mark. You know, you were Mark Jacobs for how many years? Nine ten years. years? Ten years. Ten years? Nine, ten years. Um, you while being while at Mark, you were still doing your own thing on the side. Sure. Building your own personal brand that when you left, you know, you you had somewhat. You you some right, sure. but, you, but you somewhat had something that was your identity. Yeah. I mean, it's been a little
1: bit less of a focus for me. I mean, I think, you know. My own crisis, myself, is that work has always become too much of an identity. I've always done side stuff, but like really, I've always hung my hat on like where I was working, what I was doing, what projects, what brands I can name that I'm doing. Right, but not for nothing. You were doing cool sure, shit. Sure, sure, and I got that great opportunity yeah. through coming in at the right time. But you know, let's just, just touch about it. Just touch on. We don't
0: have to like go into explanation on that, but you were traveling the world. Sure.
1: I went to like 52 countries one year. Staying in the dopest hotels. But if you're talking about self-starters, my foray into Marc Jacobs, I had a college degree. I had some things in my belt already, had already worked with like some good companies and brands. I mean, as like a temp, whatever, come to New York, figure it out. Mm -hmm. Um, Pretty well connected. I took a massive step back in my opinion at the time because I wanted to go and work for Robert Duffy at Marc Jacobs because he basically like, created contemporary, I started answering the phones. Yep. I mean, literally. And I was like, you know, that, w- that wasn't it, like, right? But I ended up using that as my, like, get in front of people. And then six months later, I was traveling assistant to Robert, which lasted one month. And then basically for the next two to three years of that, I started absorbing departments, but also I was, like, there traveling everything. Conciliary to Robert and Mark, kind of, like, whatever I could do to get around and in their that, business area. right and
0: in that time is when digital was really on an upward trajectory well, exactly
1: we started social with like no oversight because we just saw it happening so we actually started the mark jacobs page started as robert duffy and then we changed the name <laughs> and mark got his personal one much later like he was less into it initially but then got into it heavily and now he's actually great on there because he's so authentic but um Yeah, we started there. And then to your point, like that was how I got into it because I absorbed social because we just started all these channels. Then digital was like close enough that I kind of got it. And then at the time, Zyke guys. But but to your point, like it was an amazing time. We were traveling world, best hotels, best restaurants. Like uh, it was a really special ethos that we had going on there because it was all about our brand DNA. And it was super smart. I mean, I don't think anyone could do it anymore, but the idea was – do what exactly? Wherever we had to do anything, like brand DNA was super important to Robert. And like, biggest learning I've taken from anywhere I've been my entire career is like how important that is, and like the brand company culture, really company culture even more than brand DNA. But like both of those come together, and he did a great job with that because like if we were at a, a if we were opening a store in Singapore, we were gonna show up with like between five to 10 people from our stores, like a manager, a stock person, like whatever, because it gave, A, we came in and could show them how to do it because we've already been running stores. But B, it really gave this like brand DNA, like how we could act and be ourselves, the way we interact with Robert, the boss, the way that we interact with customers, the fact that like we weren't in suits, everyone had like their own vibe, but that actually made up the brand DNA. exactly. And that was a big part of it. Like we worked really hard. You'd stay up all night opening a store and like blow it out in like a way that I don't think most companies do. Like, you know, our our boss was very hard at that point, but then you would blow it out at that w- opening party the next day. And, and like, that was okay. He wanted does, people. Does Mark Jacobs, the, the stores around the world, do
0: they all have the same uh, uh, hospitality principles on how to treat people?
1: Similar. For sure. And it's changed a little bit, right? And at the time, we also had different layers. There was kind of a different vibe in the mark by mark versus collection, which is much higher end, um, a little more client telling and all of that stuff. So there were there was collection. Is there mark by mark, Mark Jacobs and then collections above? it? Is there like three tiers? So collections to top basically or was now it's all kind of under one one brand. Um, that was like one of the changes that happened kind of right as I was departing. Um, but collection and then there was mark by mark which is the contemporary line and then the third collection which i oversaw was special items which is basically everything in between collaborations partnerships skateboard surf sports, sounds like the cool shit flip flops towels yeah. like we got to make everything um and then sometimes if it did well it would get absorbed into the mark by mark brand or into the collection I mean, we had like a really i mean we i mean it really came from robert initially but a very smart business model around the idea of like not being so unapproachable that we can't get the cool kids that was kind of where contemporary came in like everyone was aspirational the next tier or working across all three so you might have like a special items tea you may splurge on that one collection bag but you're wearing the contemporary like mark by mark for your denim or dresses or things you know kind of middle range pricing so you could really get anyone at every level which was super smart because they also grew with the brandon as you got older you went from contemporary and assuming that you were doing very well you could start wearing collection or buying one piece a season or whatever it was so how much of that have you taken like that that vibe that that way of of
0: of creating a culture how much of that have you taken with you to your next how much did you take to your next step in life and how
1: much has stayed with you after that step because now you're two steps so much that. so much i mean like it's super central to everything i do um you know i went i went to some really corporate red tape environments after that i mean well i had my own agency for a bit but when i went back to kind of corporate it was it was like a very big corporate machine turn the cruise ship situation did and you hate that i feel like you mainly need, you because to have i didn't I, I didn't hate it i mean i don't hate anything like i feel like all those situations are what hates a make. strong word yeah did hates you, a strong word did
0: it did did you uh I didn't bug you to a point where you're like, there's an expiration date on this position. I mean,
1: I, 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 I ended up having to leave blindly. So so, without anything. (laughs) So, um, and you know, burnt out and took some time. I had a lot to do with COVID and other things too, though. But I think what stuck with me is exactly what you're saying. Culture is so important. And I think brands that aren't focusing enough on that are, are going to struggle in this like authentic world that we're in now. Um, and you know, the brands winning are the ones being transparent, whether it's good or bad, right? It's like, we messed this up. We did this. I think the brands do in the old school way where it's kind of like PR smoke and mirrors are going to be dying on the vine a little bit here um, because you just got, you, you. we can read through that now. The internet's too plenty with information for us to see through everything. To answer your question though, like for me, culture goes to everything. And I think that you can create that mm-hmm. um, through smaller networks and like I try to do that with my teams with my people you know even with like the way that I interact even if that means that I lose work I lose clients but like it's important to me like and it's hard in fashion I feel like fashion's got still a little bit of this old air of you kind of have to be like elitist or separatist or like mean or you know I just don't see any place for that anymore I guess it depends on uh depends on the target sure but who who wants that? <laughs> you know, these days I mean who, some who's the target people, who wants some to people feel like do. small. Right, but some people do, and some
0: people have that, you know, this brand it, this brand is has a dominant vibe. This brand is uh,
1: the bully and I'll do as they say. In some cases, I think you're I think you're gonna see that less and less true because people are being held more and more accountable. I think as you see, like, people getting brought down for the office cultures or for, like, keeping people ridiculous hours or running through them, I and mean, you're seeing it right now. You saw with everyone from Bezos to what's your take Dolce on and Gabbana and all that stuff. Again, I hate the cancel culture. I think that, like, to make something amazing, somebody needs to be really pushing their narrative forward um, and owning it and not Hell taking yeah. no for an answer. And I think that's okay. I think no matter what, though, like – there's a way to, to, to be really hard nosed and still treat people with courtesy and respect. And I think that that would be what I would want to bring into it. And again, I'm coming like, like Robert Duffy was known as notorious as like brutal to work like like hard, but he, he was like, he was like sweet and sour. Right. And he was really good at the way he did it. Like you, you wanted to work harder because you felt like you were letting him down and, and, and like you wanted to do that because he actually did care. He was just very hard nosed in the way he well, did that's it. Mean, he, he wasn't hard demanded. Excellence. He wasn't hard nosed because he got off on
0: it. He was hard nosed because he knew that things needed to be done a certain way. And if he wasn't hard, then shit would fall through the cracks. Exactly. And you know, if you want to be the best, you gotta you gotta act as
1: such. Well, and you have to have the other end of it, though. Again, like he, you know, I think like like anyone, like he would know when you took push too far. And I think there's types of people who were like. Who would bail back from that and just say like that? This is what it is. Like, get on board or get out of here. And he really brought in a lot of the sweet with Sarah, right? I mean, like, like he always made people people feel like, oh no, no, like you know, I like messed made, up or whatever. Right. Like he 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 admitted his own faults a lot too. And I think was that he that's ever rare. did he was he ever rewarding? Did yeah. he? Oh yeah. I mean, very rewarding. I won't get into that, but like, it was it was give a me one example. Very, example. very gifting. Can you, can you give uh, me one example. I mean, he didn't get you a car. I mean, we did. I mean. I wouldn't say that people haven't though in that in that world gotten <laughs> cars. Like I think um no, I mean it was like like birthdays were celebrated, right? I mean, like I I could just like that's a small thing I can look at differently between cultures is like we weren't missing birthdays. Like everyone was getting in there and he was there and he's singing the song, you know. At other companies it's like if your team below you isn't like getting you cupcakes or you might even get in trouble. Like I've been in companies that you're getting in trouble <laughs> for getting cupcakes because they're like Wait, you getting expensing in trouble this? for getting like cupcakes? what is happening? I'm like, it's one I've just six people on my ear. You're talking on my team or whatever, like you're talking about thirty dollars once a year that we can't figure out. Like that is the culture difference, right? Like it's almost like if you implement it, like we celebrate minds. that, that's very different than being like, Oh, well, we gotta check out this like bottom line of like X, Y, and Z, you know? Culture's important. <laughs> that's what it comes down to. Yeah, so do you think it's better to have a company that's very vanilla
0: stays in between the lines and this is i'm talking about going forward sure with in the yeah the world today the climate the the climate in the climate in the social climate the digital climate do you think it's better to have a company that's vanilla to an extent i mean i'm a big vanilla fan sure but and stays kind of in between the lines uh will have a better chance of longevity or someone who like a kid super who is more like zigzag I'm gonna I'm gonna do me
1: yeah I mean it's hard to say because like I think you could translate differently like what vanilla means like even me hearing that like my mind went somewhere else before you use kind of like Kid super reference I think it's about being like transparent and authentic like honestly that's all it comes down to like we're we're all humans we're all gonna mess up everybody now with the cancel culture like it could be devastating right but as long as you're true and transparent like can't really apologize for something that's honest right like this is my opinion this is like what i'm trying to do this is my brand i'm trying to put out to the world
0: people being honest and giving their opinions is literally what gets people canceled true
1: or blows them up right i think it's all about how you how you translate that and again like when you're talking about a company it's not necessarily a personal i think they're all getting much closer together now unfortunately because like you can't avoid the internet Mm -hmm. um But Kid Super, I mean, like, his thing was cool from the start, and, like, he, I think where he's seen success, A, he's super nice, like, really nice dude, like, super gregarious, but he just wants to make cool shit. He wants to, like, literally just make cool shit. Like, that's all it came down to, and, like, his model was so natural and the business came to be because he just kept doing what he set out to do like it started they had the the house and they basically just wanted creatives in there you want to be around creative people and just make things and then like cool things came from it and it's like all right well let's turn it into a formal clothing line and then like look where he is now and he's you it's know wild moonly you know like he's doing he's doing the lv show he's while literally they're figuring like out who their designer is living replaced fucking... by pharrell i mean like come on pharrell, like it's, living a dream yeah and he's doing the thing and he's doing it well and like you know he just wants to make fun exciting things and people resonate with that and again it goes back to that authenticity i think like where people struggle is trying like i think the same mistake happens when people try to be too vanilla it's like what is like the safest like no error way like if we did that everyone would just be making the same things and a lot of brands are you know like a lot of these startup brands where someone's just looking to make money they come and they fail like i don't know like what's the example i mean fitness wear. You know, everyone's like, "Ooh, athleisure's hot right now." I'm gonna make this <laughs> blasted. Cool. Everyone's making sweatsuits. Everyone's oh, making I, leggings. Like the battle between whether it's you know, you know, and
0: for me, where I had the I had the the pop up retail sure. space. Um, I've also worked with Energy Collection down in uh, down in uh, Nolita, who has who was doing pop up retail that I was helping them with, and having exactly you said that these. Uh, athleisure brands like we have these unique sports bras and i'm like what is unique about these sports bras i worked for one like i respect i respect starting a business (laughs) but like trying to just go with the trend when you know people don't
1: understand that like well and and that's the thing that's exactly it right like half of these brands and i I mean that like literally half of these brands are basically like designing a collection with the person they want to be's collection in Mm -hmm. front of them and essentially just ripping that off but if you you know the person who did it first did it first and they're already pivoting to the next thing when you're trying to make this thing that's already fizzled out like it's a downward slope yeah know? and and they that
0: that is a good segue into you know social media stuff and even podcasting like we're in the podcast right now but you know I think about you know, I I enjoy doing this and I love talking to people like you yeah. and, hey. and I'm thinking like <laughs> in two months from now like our podcast not going to be obsolete but you know are people not going to care as much about them like i didn't start doing this because i want to do something that people cared about i did it because it's something that i enjoy um but you do want to have a some sort of an roi sure where are we going where are we going? Oof, you are you that know, is you you you've been around the block for the, in like yeah, 15, I've, in the last I've, 15 years. I've when, called
1: I've you, called some good
0: future tells go. so you but...
1: you know Reese, Posegate, Crystal Ball. Where are I we mean, going? I mean, I feel like I'm a broken record on, but like I think it's it's authenticity, right? And I still think podcasting, for example, has like a good amount of time. But, you know, competing with seeing people and actually seeing their expressions and be able to sniff out the bullshit meter and all of that. Again, like you're seeing more video, like our podcasts without the video, element surviving as much, probably actually, I don't think that people are watching the YouTube podcasts really much at all. No, unless it's, you know, they're seeing the snippets on social or like Barstool takes a little clip and throws it on or whatever it is. So you need it, but it's really just to fuel this marketing machine. And I think that like that, is gonna be the hard part, and that's where the future is. Is like, like literally, what we're saying for companies is the same for individuals, right? Like, how am I staying present on social? How am I gonna start TikTokking? Do I need to learn how to do this dance? <laughs> like, do I want to start filming every phase of my that. cooking? Like, I'm big on edutainment, man. Like, that's why I enjoy the TikTok thing and the, and and the video thing, because like. A, the algorithm is sick, even though it is stealing all our data and killing us. It's endless. Endless. You need to stop yourself. Sure, but if you have a Um, hobby, the niche hobby you can find now is amazing though, right? Like if you're someone who loves cooking and you're doing follow-alongs with someone at home, super cool and easy, and you don't feel like you just sit through a 30-minute block because you have to hit that TV time, they're like, here, here in, in 20 seconds is 50 clips of me making this thing that you can just be like watch over and over again and be like oh i'm supposed to i'm supposed to pour the milk while i mix it in yeah (laughs) you know like that's that's why they're not fluffy and you're you're literally you could
0: look up literally a specific cuisine yeah exactly like uh, it's it's amazing if you use it properly sure in terms of education
1: well but is it scary like on the other end of that like i love the education of it and like how versed you can get in a lot of things and get a little info i'm also scared by the education of it um i think we were just talking about this before but the idea of like are people reading books anymore are people reti- retaining information on anything is there expertise on anything or is it just like watch regurgitate repeat watch regurgitate repeat and i think there's a lot of that happening where you know again the the flaw in it and the people who are dying in it is going away from the authenticity because if you're if you're doing that you're actually trying to replicate someone else right which is a lot of what influencing is and a lot of people do because they see this person doing well they want to do the same thing and they think they'll do well but you know it's really about figuring out how to like carve your niche be yourself do it your own way like use these things to pivot your life i mean that's been like a big theme of my past couple months after taking some time off and trying to like rebuild a new better version of me and like leverage this kind of mind time because you got to learn but then you need to apply it to yourself and figure out how you're going to like do your own thing with it right and take that information right and a
0: big part of that is creating a um a big part of that is creating a routine exactly so It's easy to just open your phone and scroll through TikTok and consume like that. But for someone who's reading a paperback, it's creating a routine on when I read. So let me ask you, is there a specific time of the day that you read or you just carry a book and instead of opening your phone to scroll, hey, this time I'm going to open up a book?
1: It's funny. And I feel like I'm going against what I was already saying because it goes. (laughs) I've been reading a lot on this and that has created about a new, what I a just new, said. yeah and that's like created a new routine for me recently so like I wake up and I read first thing I wake up my new thing is trying not to look at my phone for like the yep. first hour of the day so I read then I meditate then I shower then I read, journal meditate shower and then journal, I start and my day. phone and then my So you're up for an hour and a half before you even look at your phone. That's what I'm trying to do. I mean, again, like it doesn't always technically work that way. Usually you give like a little peep, see if you saw like a missed message or something that you're worried about. But you're already kicking your head into a different gear when you do that. Sure. But like no Instagram, no death scroll, no nothing. Like, yeah. I think you process the information like, differently. I'm even about don't
0: look at the phone at all that text message that missed that missed anything on the phone
1: sure. can wait an extra 30 minutes to an hour i agree and that's where i'm going i mean like i'm working i'm still at the new phase of working my way into this but listen i i definitely was the guy who woke up especially working in social i would wake up and like just be looking for whatever panic i had Right? Like what's getting canceled? So what are we doing? I'm like scrolling through everything. Look at Instagram, look at Twitter. And like to your point, that was my routine. And I think times have changed because like I used to get to work. I would have one, you know, I guess, what would you call it? Like one web browser. Like you know, you can do like different tabs on one page and do multiple different pages. I don't know why I'm not describing that well, but like one, um, one page just full of all my social tabs. So I look you. at Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Basically, like so go the, through each thing each and tab, spend like 15 minutes. A window, minutes. window. Yeah, exactly. You'd have a window, a window with, with a bunch t- of tabs. A window. Yeah, so I have like a work window. I have a social window. I have a educate and read window. At least you compartmentalize everything. Oh, yeah, but that was my day. Like I would get up, I would read social first to make sure there was no fires. Then I would go and I would read like all of the things that I needed to be in tune with guys <laughs> like, like a Wired, a High Snobiety, a Vogue. <laughs> WWD every this day. All and sounds, then I would go to my. This work. sounds so exhausting. I'm an OCD guy, bro. Really this sounds, sounds so is. exhausting. But this was how I kept it together. I mean, like for me, <laughs> being like the knower of the cultural zeitgeist was such a key part of my job, and it bled into like what got me to where I am now. Right, like tech became zeitgeist. I was the first guy who knew. Not like actually, but I'm saying like I, I was very. Early on every trend because I knew about it. I'm reading every single one of these like mailers. I see TikTok before people see because TikTok. you read about it or you I predicted see Chat, it. Chat GPT. No, 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 both. Right? Like I see things that are interesting and then I know it's coming. Like I knew social shopping was coming super early. That one we were like spot on. We knew and we were trying to figure out ways to basically fake it out before Instagram. You're saying like put it in. like like in post purchasing. Yes, exactly. Got like on, on, in-app purchasing is really in where they would say because it's, you know, in-post was first, but, you know, I still think that that's where we're going. Like it's, it's a weird time to figure out how to manage websites because everyone's spending all their time on social. Very few people are going to one brand for everything anymore. Like that brand devoted, right? So, no,
0: the only brand that has people devoted when you're talking about not, not clothing, but all products is Amazon.
1: Sure, but, but they're not—they're not a brand, but like that's like the. But go-tube. that's a multi-brand, right? Okay. and they've created—they've created the shopping experience. That's the whole thing, right? Like the thing, like that's where I think social recreated gonna, the shopping experience. Sure, but social's coming at Amazon now, right? Like that's what's happening. Is that Amazon like came the winner, and everyone's like, "Oh shit, we need to figure out how to do that." And it's not the websites. Sure, they're trying to like bring Amazon Checkup. Like the reason Amazon thrived is like a membership. You don't have to worry about your shipping. There's one. Click checkout. Like all of these little things just make it so much easier. And they have everything, right? I mean, to your point, like you don't need to look at it. The prices are cheaper. You don't need to worry about it. Now, take one less step. I mean, it's old school thinking, but it's literally like, how do I eliminate clicks? People are just looking to spend as much time because we have this like information overload that we never had, which I think is the scariest fucking thing. Like our, our brains are not built. For the capacity of information that we're ingesting right now, so just now what I said. Like I gotta idiot. look at Instagram, I gotta look at TikTok, I gotta make a TikTok, I gotta check my email, I gotta go and build the deck, I gotta do this, I gotta look at this thing, I gotta research this thing to get to that thing. You know what I mean? Who am I looking at? We we are constantly on something. Like your you, just your phone. Remember when we first had our phones and it was like five apps? I had like my music, my email, you're saying like that's a smartphone, yeah. I have like a thousand apps on my phone now, right? I have like different things to create content, different things to read, different shopping. Like, imagine just bouncing around just the apps on your phone throughout a day. Like, your brain's just not made for it. So, I think that it's like no, figuring and out it's how to only going to get worse.
0: Exactly. Or it depends on who you're asking. Us, thirty-seven years old, we say worse. But like, is is it worse, or is it going to get better? Is it going to be? more convenient like literally as we sit here and i've said this before on a on, on an interview where you know apple google those are big brands but there are smaller companies i would say smaller like 250 to 2000 employee companies who are even trying to elevate the experience over those big companies and those are billions of dollars being spent right now sure. to add to the to the brain congestion that you're talking about Sure,
1: I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, I think the system eventually breaks because, like, your phone's not going to be able to like build a fire for you if you're out camping, right? And people are losing like those main normal skills. Like, I mean, maybe we all go into the metaverse and just disappear into like a digital <laughs> no, I world. Think on last couch at home, that that's but... not happening. <laughs> Ooh, I I would beg to differ there. Oh, you think that, but
0: like a more um a more accessible entry into the metaverse, not this big headset that, you know,
1: my, yeah, you yeah, yeah. no, no. I, I mean, five I, I think if you remove your kind of like everybody's assumption never, it's like what I've learned, and I've just gotten really into that. I had, I had some interesting programs I got to work on for metaverse for companies. Um, but also just trying to like educate, you know, my older godfather on a fishing trip or whatnot. Is that like people Define it differently, and I think that's the real issue. I guess what I'm saying is, when I say metaverse, I don't mean a VR headset in a video game, right? I, really, we're talking about Web three more than metaverse. But I think in the end, it's going to be everything. Like it's going to be unavoidable, right? Like when people can't get their Coachella tickets without having to go into an experience, like it's not an option. Go into an experience. Well, they're talking about like basically like Coachella tickets that are an NFT that you have to get by going into their metaverse thing. Like like this stuff could be and probably is happening. But I think there's lower hanging things that people don't realize. Like we're slowly are bridging on this. Like I think the metaverse the gaming is all just basically like a really good marketing application tool to bring Web3 and like this decentralized and like ownership of your own data into the mainstream. Same with NFTs. I think NFTs were essentially a really good tool to educate on something that no one really understood about and in the long run will be a basic thing in there. But like for now, that's why it was like a spike and a bit of bullshit and some of that stuff. But um, the Metaverse is coming. I think it's like, I, I, and I, I again, I don't wanna say Metaverse. I think like all of these things are gonna be part of our daily life, whether it's scanning I'm a QR to... code if you are at a retailer, whether it's doing virtual try-on of makeup or clothing because retail stores aren't open anymore. Like these things are gonna become I think of like an example
0: of, walking down the block in New York City and there is a, uh, the, you know, sub, uh, a bus shelter, a bus, uh, they call it a bus, a shelter, but I don't know. What would you call it? Sure. Shelter. Um, and they, you know, has advertising on the side and depending on the person who's getting close to it, uh, you know, we'll read our, our, what is it? Our, read our IP. Ping, ping, and now it sends an ad that's focused to me. Versus twenty feet behind me is a fifty-year-old woman that might ping, ping. The the ad becomes a different ad on the
1: on the board. We'll see the bus stop. We'll see what happens once they start removing cookies and ability. Like that's a big part of the Web three thing is actually like your data. I mean, we've all been accepting cookies for a while now. Oh yeah, yeah, but people are starting to worry about their data, right? I mean, like it's pretty interesting that. A tweet you put out your own ip opinion all those things isn't actually your ip anymore that's owned by twitter right like and if you think about that your words you put an article out you put a blog like instagram facebook these guys all own your ip because you're putting it on their platform for it to be ingested like really? that's that's where web 3 gets really interesting is because like you own your data then and you're going to have the ability to sell it or like basically give it give it to people if you want but it's your choice Whereas this other stuff, like you're opt-in, like who's reading the opt-in? Yeah, but at any end of the day, you so have to weird. have billions of people pivot
0: into Web3 versus where we're at now. Yeah, but so I guess my point, my point is it's IP. happening.
1: It's happening whether we want it or not. Like I think some people are going to be so far behind that we're going to create a bigger delta, you know, kind of between the knowers and the non-knowers, right? Mm-hmm. Like. How are we going to work when chat gbt is doing all this stuff you're going to plug it in through somewhere else right, but you know? even
0: be able to take chat gpt and it not being the end all be all but having it as a
1: framework to now work off of so, i mean we'll see chat gbt right now i mean like their whole thing is that it's an ingestion of a bunch of ip right who owns it how's it owned if it's just sucking in all this data off the internet and then pumping out a consolidated version in an
0: in instance in an
1: instant yeah but that's someone's writing like for it to get that information there's writing there's images there's all of these things huh. that are copyrighted or trademarked i didn't, I didn't even think about and that you're blasting it out there who like that's that's where the government i mean that's where you're going to see regulation come in there but like i mean i can't even wrap my head around how possibly you'd be able to because you can't stop something so impressive from moving right and the ability to do it but but it is other people's ip and like trademarked information you know yeah but the best uh, example
0: that i got which i was talking to jared about this last week explaining chat gpt as if you're taking this beautiful 4k picture and you're putting it on your computer and you know the the quality from your camera to your computer goes down but you're still keeping as many pixels as possible. So you could still see what this image perfectly what the image is, but you've lost its crystal clearness of the 4k from the transition from camera to computer screen. And now you have this not pixelated, but this much less quality picture. And that's chat GPT in a nutshell. Maybe.
1: I mean, I, I get that analogy analogy. I mean, I think that makes sense. However, at the same time, like where's, where are all the credits, all right? Show me, show me the credit for each of those pixels that's pulling together that image and I don't think that they are. And I think that that's where they're going to have a hard time, right? If you're rewriting a poem from 50 different poets and taking their best lines and putting it together, that's still their, their work, right? That's something that they put Yeah, we're in
0: 2023. Like, uh, sure. Uh, Listen. It's a, I mean... Here we go. Perfect example. Let me know your opinion on this. I want to write a children's book. I'm not going to get deep into it, but I want to write a series of children's books. I like that. Um, Let's say I'm writing a book about Muhammad Ali. All right? Writing a children's book about Muhammad Ali. How different is my book going to be versus the dozen other children's books about Muhammad Ali that you can't say like, oh, well probably grab
1: this from that or this from that i don't know that's a hard reference like if if you're actually taking those books and ripping pages out of them to put your book together it's but like how
0: but it's literally just like talking about different parts of his life
1: but that's every creativity right if you have a
0: children's book then you're dumbing it down to a more uh um smaller digestible amount per page so to look at my writing versus again, a dozen other children's books on Muhammad Ali, it's
1: you know, a lot of people probably think that, oh, you know, just easily grabbed it from that. Sure. I don't know though. You're still taking it off of like the base information, like the actual like hub of information that you then need to take into your brain and translate in your way with your words, the way that you would put it together. You know what I mean? Like there's still an art to that. And I don't think there's anything wrong with, uh you know, emulating something or even replicating to a degree. I mean, it's like very flattering, right? I mean, like all of fashion is based on pulling old stuff and like kind of bringing it together in a new light or reinterpreting it. So I get that. Um, but I don't know. I mean, that's, <laughs> you know, that's where we have to see what happens. I will say this though. This is a free one. Call it Muhammad Ali, Make it about a little B. It's like Muhammad Ali. Whew! Genius. Foot like a butterfly, steam like a B. Boom. The bee is the main character but it's actually about muhammad ali as a bee you're welcome this is next topic if you knew how (laughs) completely on point that was for my children's book
0: series concept you're welcome
1: i'll take a one percent royalty when we uh when we uh
0: when we stop recording i'll i'll tell you about the whole book series okay wait and i guess after talking with you about it i'm gonna have to then take more action on making it happen yeah because just having the idea of what
1: i want to do uh, doesn't doesn't mean shit you got to you got to yeah. gotta have action i mean i would also just think of it more the other way like for me and again i don't know where it's going to go how the text like i i do think that like there's there's major major flattery in like trying to emulate something that someone else is doing or taking inspiration from people um but it's almost like if you took all of the pictures from someone else's book and then you just ripped the words out and basically just wrote a new story and published that You'd be published someone else's IP, (laughs) and that for me is like that would be the thing where it's like, well, that artist would probably be like, well, you got to give someone credit for the pictures. Sure. You what if you took? Well, what about vice versa? What if you just flipped and kept all the words and then you wrote your drew your own pictures on it? I mean, I think it's the same. It's just different. I think it's easier to get away with the latter. I think it's easier to get away with drawing your
0: own pictures. And if there is a paragraph, and I'm. Did you do this in high school where I, I take a paper from someone else or yeah, take, yeah. take homework? I'll take like, homework. Are you asking if I cheated in high yeah. school? <laughs> yeah, re- rewrite, rewrite the whole, rewrite whatever never, it was. was. Rewrite the essay and just change adjectives around. Of course. Like yeah, different that's, punctuation. That's, take a sentence out. That's like,
1: chat GBT point. That is that's zero. The,
0: the OG chat The GVT. OG,
1: yeah, exactly. Just handwritten. Pull it in here's my question. What's next for you? What's going on with the, yeah, yeah now I interview you, baby. Let's go. Flipping. Yeah, exactly. What are you seeing next in the tech space? I mean, especially with people looking at apartments and things, I think it's interesting to talk about that and like, are people still going anymore? I had a friend who just basically had to move back to New York, close the deal over zoom, which I, I can't even fathom that idea. Well,
0: there's the, the ease of being able to do that. There's, you know, the ease of being able to do a FaceTime and not just, not just seeing a, a Matterport, a Matterport is a 3D video where you're able to walk around the home as if you're actually in there, but getting on an appointment where I could literally be in a FaceTime with you for an hour and going through the moldings, going through the, the appliances and looking at making sure every burner works, going through the wear and tear of the apartment from a distance, through a four K or whatever it is a, through a FaceTime, that's easy. Now most people still wanna wanna touch it. Yeah, you want but it. but but not the, to
1: mention you guys all do those very tricky photos with like a fisheye lens. Right? Actually, <laughs> it's I've, like ten X the size of what no, I see in person. That's like <laughs> that's like
0: shady uh, clickbait type stuff. Yeah, like bait and switch. Like it, it always boggled my mind when people would like when people would do that. Like, what do you expect? anybody who walks in here to say no, exactly. like, w- like what it's did you expect hilarious. my expression to be when you had that photo and I walked into this apartment <laughs> like we saw an apartment last week it was um we have a client looking for uh wants a big loft right he's not from this country uh I say that like he's from like a third world country he's from Canada but he wants a <laughs> <laughs> yeah he, no but he wants like a dope New York City like like loft apartment and he doesn't want one that's been like renovated to the gills with like new condo finishes. He wants something with character. So, and budgets, budget's great. Budget's like around like 12, 13K. So it opens up a lot of possibilities. And we saw something last week where if you look at the pictures, it's this 1,500 yes. square foot loft. <laughs> a dream. And like it's amazing. You walk in there and there is walls up. It's been converted to a two bedroom. All right. Like, you didn't want to tell us that yeah, like this is not the big that this that this massive expansive living room is not what we're about to walk into.
1: They're showing how versatile the space it's, is. <laughs> be yo, a it's, two it's, it's
0: crazy when, when people do that. But to touch back on the technology aspect, um, I think that's something fantastic in terms of education is gonna be more prevalent a lot of people and we go back to going on tiktok to be educated not so much of like tiktok videos of um you know difference between a co-op or a condo sure but like things that people actually care about like the the value of oh, stupid but value of uh having a white fridge versus a stainless steel fridge yeah exactly like, like what is the like why do people get crown moldings sure like how important is it to have a double pane window Versus uh, a regular window. Um, what does that do? What, is, what does your window do for your energy bill? Right. Little things like that and doing... And for agents to be able to provide information like that in a digestible way, like Reels or in TikTok, where it's a 20-second or a one-minute video about actually interested things, interesting things, not just like stupid real estate stuff right. that like people are like, I'm a broker and you should work with me because I'm going to give you information about the mortgage and why it's important to get a pre-approval. And maybe why it's important to get a pre-approval actually is some good info. Sure. But maybe like the intricacies of doing that. Interesting. And like also some strategy behind it. If you're going for an apartment that's, you know, a million dollars, but you're approved for 1.4, don't get a pre-approval that says you're approved for 1.4. Get a pre-approval that says you're approved for a million fifty. So, you know, the the seller who is trying to get all the juice they have out of their investment, whether they've owned this apartment for two years or 40 years, and they want to get as much from the, the buyer, if they see that, oh, this buyer could afford 1.4, like get them up another 80 grand. Right. And it's giving people information like that, giving people cool information is... Um, gonna be uh something that kind of separates who is um an innovator in the business as opposed to people that are all doing the same thing i see a lot of people now a lot of like gen z's and even you know millennials who are doing apartment tours you know sure eric conover he made it cool cash jordan does his own style but then you have like agents who are you know you're 22 years old and you're doing a tour of a $13 million home, your people probably aren't gonna look at you seriously, in all all seriousness. Like, you've never sold a $13 million home. You're showing cool stuff, and they're gonna look at you as someone who sees cool stuff. They're not gonna look at you as someone who they want to go help them purchase something, because at 22, your buyer might be looking for an $800,000 apartment, or even a $400,000 apartment, not 13 million. So by putting out, just putting out content, of these incredible homes. Yeah, it's eye-catching, but you're not tackling your target audience. Sure. No, I mean it makes sense. Interesting time, man. I feel like we'll see. I feel like I just went on a tangent it's just things that as you said it just I consume every day. Yeah. And it's like I just want to be like, what are you doing? You should do this. And I like I don't know why I had that like uh save the puppy mentality. Sure. On. like I want to like like, reach out to people like hey (laughs) you're doing this like don't not not don't do that but like do this instead trust me I'm doing this a long time and uh I know people and I'm not saying I know people I'm saying like I know people's like I know the way the mind works sure and what you're doing you're just spinning your wheels because you think it's cool
1: and if you're having fun with it that's awesome What's your end goal? Yeah, listen, maybe it'll work. Some people it does. For most, it doesn't. I mean, it's like the idea of believability. I mean, like it's having done something and succeeded multiple times. And there like, you go. That makes sense versus actually talking about it and like been close to it and having a big opinion in the room. But like, you know, I I can relate to the fact that like if I haven't sold a company, I wouldn't be the first person to talk to me to about how to sell a company. Even though I've been close to companies that have sold, I've got good information, right? But like, it's different than someone who's actually done it. 100%. Believability, baby, One oh one. Yeah. So, what what do the next six months look like for Reese Postgame? I mean, you know, I took some time, so that was nice, and basically like reset, and right now it's just kind of getting into those lanes. Like, I've gotten really excited about Web3 and some of these things. I'm just trying to stay ahead of this wave. That's always been my thing. So I'm really learning a lot of the things I don't know there, so I can bring some value to it. I'm on like a DAO, which is super interesting. It's like a decentralized organization, basically. Mm-hmm. Agency, um, all around Web3. So like if anyone's looking to do, we like put together a team based on who's in this big DAO. It's interesting. Is this one DAO or several DAOs? Like- this is one that I'm in. My um, assume they also have a great Newsletter and uh, podcast, if you want to get in there, there's the plug for that team. But, but um, yeah, I mean, it's 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 really interesting because everyone's trying to get in that space. So I'm trying to make sure that I'm equipped for those things, but also just trying to get back into um, taking on new consultancies. Like a lot of what people are coming to me for is like this strategic 360. Like again, people have like a campaign idea, but they don't know how to roll it out, and they don't think about anything but social usually. And when they think about social, they're thinking about Instagram or TikTok, but not like all of it. So, really, that's what I'm trying to bring to people now is bring that focus into like how we're creating 360 marketing campaigns or where they're actually needed. I think that's the biggest thing is everyone's trying to like blast campaigns or do the old way when, you know, the truth of it is that there's so many campaigns you need to put out now that like sometimes they don't need the full and whistle, you just need to like run. There we go. So
0: to touch on that, do you think that people need to have the mindset that it's inevitable that you're going to have a hit and a miss?
1: For sure. Oh yeah. Like the old tech fail fast is, is more important than ever. And I think that that's like, you know, that's been one of the things I brought to every company I worked with is really, again, getting rid of that like preciousness of assets and bringing it down to a little bit more like nimble, less polished, because that's where the audience is now and that authenticity. Um, but yeah, the company's crushing that, you just gotta do, right? Like it's it's like you gotta do things and even if you're not built for it, like try things, be smart enough to leave things when they don't work. Like, you know, there's, there's a lot of brands that are really smart with that and like TikTok popped up. We're getting on TikTok, let's do something, let's do a test, let's put some paid media into it. If it works, we'll hire in for it, we'll go. If it doesn't and it seems like it's fizzling, well then like let's get to the next thing, let's go to, you know. Clubhouse, which did not work, but like you know, like the idea it worked for a is. month. I mean, maybe even longer than that. I and mean, I assume it's still out there. It is. It's. It's I definitely think, out there. I think that like that's where we're in a weird spot because everything I've said about like authenticity versus not, versus, like, faking it till you make it. Like, that was just a, a, a surround sound of people faking it. Till mm-hmm. Like, like narcissists basically being the expert and running their own TED Talks. and Yeah, but, like, that was, like... worked for some people. Don't get me wrong. It did work. And, listen, like, there was some really
0: cool shit. Like, I mean, I... At the beginning. It quickly fizzled into yeah. not being... Like, right, but, like... Anywhere yeah. I wanted to be. I, I mean, I know people who are doing clubhouses, like... like Still? They, no. Oh, yeah. Like, they were doing clubhouse like a few times a day i think i'm not hearing about it much anymore i'm sure that it's still i know it's still no thing, i but... i only know about it because uh Let's see. my buddy sent me um a liverpool soccer clubhouse chat after they lost to wolverhampton and just it was just all liverpool fans just just rip it. ripping ripping <laughs> like we have more like like we have more more autobi like we have more books written by the team Than we do goals, or we have like more goals. We more, what was it? It was like this, and obviously it's with the British accent. So like, you know, for me, like it was a little funny. Or not that the British accent is funny, but when you hear him like bagging on Liverpool, it's like it's
1: funny. No, no. Listen, I I went to I went to a Hotspur game when I was there. There we go. Last time at Tottenham, it was uh, that was fun. Spurs. Yeah, very fun. I am going to uh, the trash talking
0: is next level at those games. I, can't I love wait. it. I'm going to I'm going to London again in uh, October, and um, they're fun. You I'm should go to again. Try and parlay it with uh with at
1: least one APL match. I love that. Get out there and do it. No, I think I think one thing just like jump on what you were saying there. The nice thing in today's world, like like let's let's put some positivity on it, right? Especially for smaller brands, anyone could do anything right like i think that's like the interesting thing especially marketing and advertising like you don't need to be with serious xm radio to, to run a podcast show right like anyone can make a podcast mm-hmm. and you can film it if you want and just put it on your own youtube free no problem right same thing with video same thing with everything like that we are we are this world where we can make it and you're not restricted from like having to go through broadcast television to also get out also or... good quality mm-hmm. so like when we go listen to this on iTunes and Spotify, it's going to be crisp as fuck. Sure, but you have nice tools here. My point is that you can do it with an iPhone, right? And I think that like- I like my tools. No, I mean, listen, I, I love Fancy Mike as much as the next guy. <laughs> but my point is like the opportunity for people who want to do the work is endless, right? And it's literally like a, a do anything. And I think that that's true, right? Like I think people get too caught up And this goes back to like the polish versus unpolished in like making something perfect right and like what's it gonna be to this audience and here's three demos and here's like this perfect 50 page deck of how it's gonna ideally roll out i've never seen one deck ever look like the actual execution because shit breaks or you like don't actually have the million dollars to do this million dollar idea you built. You've got a hundred grand. How do you bring the concept down, right? And I think that like like especially old brands, this is where it's really hard. Like you have to be able to be nimble and part of it is being able to like run and gun a bit, right? And. I find, especially with like bigger organizations, it's all about getting this beautiful deck so that everyone can give each other a gold star and a pat on the back in the boardroom and the CEO and the VPs are all excited. And then it's like, all right, now go do it. And then no one's even looking at it or touching it. It's like, like it's just going to run itself and it's just going to happen. And no one really even cares until they get the recap report where it's like, well, here's how the assets came together and you're just matching that up to the deck. And you're dying if you're doing that. That's my point. Like, I feel like people are putting more effort into making these decks look like the best campaign ever than making the best campaign ever. And that's where it (laughs) needs to shift, right? It's like, instead of spending six months doing this, like, why don't we spend six months creating content, getting rid of the stuff that looks like trash, doing more of the stuff that's good, trying different platforms, planning for different things, rolling it out. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then you get these like sick campaigns. And I think that the, companies who are building themselves that way now um are thriving because they're like we want to move fast and and fail fast and then pivot right but we want to do things we don't want to talk about them we don't want to be the vp trying to get the gold star from the cmo trying to get the gold star from the ceo and just regurgitating this deck up the chain and if they it's do like, have How do you a do? company culture like that it sounds toxic exactly you got to empower these kids baby No, too much power for the kids, too much. It's sometimes just, well, that's true. It's also scary. You got, you know, the only people who know how to do this stuff are young, young, and, and maybe don't have the kind of, I guess, behavioral things that come with working for a good amount of time and like learning how to like navigate politics and all of those things, not get frustrated by collaborating on an idea instead of getting exactly what you want. So it is a balance. That'll be the interesting part in the future here because i think that you're getting to a place now where technology is moving so fast that like i mean i would put myself in the older people like actual people have no idea what's going on with this stuff um and the younger people are just like moving too fast and and too varied right i mean like few people are like focused like that's one thing that scares me is about how all of the kids these days, I say kids, I, I'm still a young buck, but all the kids these days are just bouncing from job to job, like six months, title to title, ba, 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 and never really learning anything in any of them. And I think like if everybody becomes a consultant, entrepreneur, freelancer, hustler, then who's gonna actually like, do the work and get the things that we need to like establish even a brand, right? Like how are brands um, gonna succeed if everyone's bouncing itself. from thing to thing to thing to thing? It's hard. So we'll see. Time will tell. Um, all right. Give me one
0: word of advice for anyone trying to make it in New York City. <sighs> one word
1: of advice. Um, hmm. Hunger. Yeah, I would say hunger and endure. I feel like, again, like especially we're talking about just New York. I think there's other places where you can get like a cushy thing, but like people are thriving here. You got to keep going. You got to keep pushing and keep trying and like keep going. If you don't, you're going to burn out and fizzle here and you're going to lose other people that are because like New York is a bunch of hustlers. Everyone's here to win. Mm-hmm. Right. And if you're trying to coast, you're going to fall behind and that's all that you can really say. So I think you gotta be hungry and you gotta like keep that hunger, And try to like maintain the passion and the things that you do to strive to do more and more and do better than you did before because i don't think that the comfortable seats are there anymore and also you've also got to
0: touch on there the importance of taking a break for a second well for sure and not like yeah keep going keep
1: going but if you don't breathe you're gonna, you're no, gonna, I mean... You're going to break down. Listen, that, being someone who just went through taking a break there and doing go. all that, I can't I can't um, disagree. However, you know, I, I think it's just everything comes down to how to frame it, right? Because I think that was me being hungry to actually like find peace of mind. I was hungry for me to actually like allow space to go further and do more, you know? So it's all about how you look at it. Sometimes you got to rebuild. <laughs> You gotta break down to rebuild. That's right. Destroy and rebuild it. That's right. There it is. Destroy that's, and rebuild it. That's Nas right there. <laughs> yeah, that's Nas from stomatic track three. Um. Well, you know, for anyone interested, I'll be releasing uh, a book soon, Muhammad albi uh, yeah, There we go. You can find it on so, Amazon. All right. So before I let you go, give me uh, actually, what are you reading right now? Oh wow. Um, I'm reading a couple books right now. I'm, I'm the worst with names, honestly, but I'm reading, uh, Ray Dalio's Principles. Okay. Which is classic, which is awesome. Um, someone gave that to me and it's been really interesting to read. I try to read one like educational book each month and then one, um, more like novel, just entertainment. Uh, but like, I'll say the other one I just I read read like four books a month right now. I read like something educational, which I would consider Ray or like some things are actually like things that I know, but I just want to refresh. It could be like, you know, Dummies Guide to SEO or like digital marketing in a modern age. I just try to like stay on that stuff. Yeah, these are all education. Yeah, I just try to stay on that. And then I do like an education or entertaining one as well, which is like sci-fi or whatever. Um, Some of that. But I just read something called Before the Fall. That's another rec that I think is like amazing. Um, so what's one book that you out. would recommend to anybody? Whew. Man, that's hard. I've been reading really good books lately. Um, I would say Oof, uh, Murakami, Kafka on the Shore. Maybe my favorite book I've read in the, the past, past two years. Really good super smart all right put um, it on the board put it on I'll, the board i'll, I'll um <laughs> i'll make sure i complete that in the next like three months i like it it's a good My one dude. love you brother thanks love for having you. me on dude, thank you for uh thank you for coming back you know it's good to be here anytime i get to talk with you <laughs>